1: Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. I'm your host, Mindy McHulley, Extension Specialist for Instructional Support at the University of Kentucky. Today, my guest is Dr. Carrie Ashurst, Senior Extension Specialist for Family and Relationship Development. Our topic is coping with grief and loss as a family. And coping with death and grief are crises that all families will encounter at some point in their lives. The experience of death and dying is recognized as the most stressful life event a family can face. So, Carrie, what are some of the reasons that this can be the most stressful event in our lives?
2: Yes, thank you for having me. One of the reasons for this is just our society's views on death and dying. You know, these issues are considered private matters, right? And our society is often uncomfortable talking about death in any form or fashion. Mm -hmm. And this can make it really hard for families to reach out for help and support as -hmm. they are coping with the loss of a loved one along the way. And, uh, you know, we oftentimes will, will try to reach out in our own ways and say to a family, well, you know, let me know what I can do to help. Right. But it's Mm -hmm. very difficult. I think for, for a grieving family to be able to, then say, well, okay, I'll tell you the concrete things that I need, you know, it's, it's hard to ask for help, even when you need it for one thing. And, you know, our society is often viewed that as a weakness, which it's anything, but a weakness. Right. right. When we're, when we're just, you know, sort of the, you know, somebody is saying to me, oh, what can I do to help? Or let me know what to do to help. You may not be able to really grasp what those things are. And often people are there at the beginning, right after a death has happened but the times that we may really start to feel like we're needing some help with things is after a lot of those people have gone back home from a funeral. or Right. Have
1: been well, and if if you're experiencing grief, maybe all you want to do is crawl up in a ball and get in your bed Absolutely. and say so you don't know how to say what you need. Right. <laughs> So what are some factors that are involved in a family adapting to the death of a loved one? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, there are several different factors that can be related to how a family adapts after the death of a loved one. One is certainly the timing of a death. It can be very important. And, you know, in our society, a death in old age is more expected, right, than the death of a child And the nature of the death as well, you know, that the timing and the age of someone and then also the nature of that death, be it, you know, from someone who's aged and elderly or someone who's very young, who's died unexpectedly or a tragic way, such as a car accident or a suicide Mm -hmm. and grief reactions may end up being more intense when a death was more sudden, more unexpected or at a less expected timing in someone's life. And so a family that is coping with many other stressors at the same time as a death can kind of compound all of that as well. You know, you've got right. a lot of stresses in our lives at any given time. And then you add a death to that of someone that you loved and it can really just add stress on top of stress. So that's a third part too. you know, just how many stressors is a family coping with in their lives. And then so certainly the meaning that each family give, family member gives to the death Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just because we're in the same family doesn't mean that we give the death the same meaning. We all grieve differently and at different time frames. And that can certainly affect differences in how families or certain family members adapt to a death. For example, the relationship each family member had with the person who died can be directly related to how that person or that family ends up adapting to a death. If a relationship was troubled for example, or complications existed in that relationship that can have ripple effects on the whole family as a system as well. And then certainly the resources, you know, resources that we all have available to us. And there are many, many resources these days online, which is great. And I think, you know, we, we have more access to resources, support groups, different things than we might have ever had before in history. But um, we don't always know exactly how to tap those resources. And when we're at a time when we're grieving, and like you said, we're just ready to, to curl up in a ball and we don't even know what we need, it's hard to really try to figure out how to access those specific resources at times. So sometimes having somebody that can just say to us, hey, let me, let me, let me gather some resources for you. right? A support system that you might have out there can help. Uh, a religious group or a friendship group, sports group, whatever it may be that you are involved with. Each member of the family, sometimes it can be a different group or a different person that can help to provide some of those resources along the way based on your needs at a given time.
1: You know, this is a topic that is so different depending on where you are in your life stage and when the death happens can have such different effects. But what are some of the ways that we can help Families as they cope with death and the resulting grief.
2: Several important ways that I can think of right offhand. Um, first of all, people have concerns, of course, about the children in a family, mm-hmm. and we often feel a need, I think, in our society to protect them from death. Right? You know, there it might be, you know, not having someone attend a funeral or not talking about a death in front of a child in the family. But you know, sometimes protecting them. Can only go so far. You know, there might be times when they need to talk about things, or uh, feel like they can't talk about things, and they want to or need to. So, just simply being there to listen can be one of the most important ways we can help a child or a teenager in a family. Uh, listening to them talk about their concerns. And then also for the parents or the guardians, the the adults in a family, what are their concerns about the child or children in their family? Listen to those. And meeting people where they're at. You know, I think sometimes we want to try to say to people, we're here, you can talk to me, you can talk to me. But sometimes we're not in a in a place where we feel like talking, right? Mm-hmm. We, may, uh, we may not be in the mood. We may have too many other things going on. And we may just want to say, you know what? I appreciate you saying that you're there and that you want to listen to me. I don't want to talk about it right now. And that's okay too. Right. So, right. And, uh, you know, one other way that I think we can help is remembering, again, that every family member agrees differently. So, you know, something that someone is going through at a given time may look very different than another person in that very same family. And that's okay. And we can certainly help by reminding people that it's okay to feel different than others in their family. Sometimes I think we all feel like we should feel the same, but we may not. And that's okay. And it's all right to have a different outlook
1: on the death, on the person that died and on the whole grief process. I do think it is so important to recognize that not everybody grieves the same. And I see that in my own life. I know that when my husband and I first married, we've been married a long time. But when we first married, I thought there was something wrong with him because he didn't grieve the same way I had seen my father grieve, Mm -hmm. you know, for my whole life growing up. And now I recognize that it's just, they're just different people and that's okay. And everybody, you know, how you grieve is a very personal and individual thing.
2: We can also keep in mind that positive outcomes can result. And I know that's very hard for us to look at it that way at times. You know, you don't think about positives when you think about death, right? But mm-hmm. you know, people often begin to see themselves as survivors after they've experienced a difficult crisis, such as the death of a loved one. You know, I've gone through this process and I've become a different person as a result of it. And I've, I, I've, I like who I am now. That can be a really big positive. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, just having gone through such a difficult stress in your life and survived it, I think, can, can make you feel more confident to be able to take on other things as they happen in our lives. And then um, just simply being able to begin to see that you can make it through any other hard time that comes your way. People experience deeper and friendships and relationships with others that they had before a death or someone important to them. And by that, I mean, you know, we, we think about our own lives and how vulnerable we are, right? That we could die. Exactly. And, you know, I think death sometimes, again, it's a positive positive outlook that can result when we realize our own vulnerabilities. I think it sometimes pushes us to reconnect with people we've maybe lost contact with or to deepen the relationships and friendships that we have, or to go to someone and and tell them how how much we care, because we don't know if we'll have tomorrow to be able to make, make that happen and share those things we feel for someone else. Gaining the wisdom and skills, Right. The, uh, the greater appreciation for life, I think, that we oftentimes might experience after we've gone through an, a, a grief and
1: loss of a loved one. I think it just makes us stronger. And I mean, it, it's painful and it, it's hard to, to endure, but sure. uh, we are so much stronger in the end.
2: It, it shifts our priorities. And that's very difficult when you're going through it. It can feel very tense, it can feel very ugly and uncomfortable, but sometimes we need priority shifts in our lives.
1: Exactly. You have made some really, really important points here. Um,
2: Yeah, you've hit on several good points with, you know, gender, being one mm-hmm. of them, males and females grieve differently. You also touched earlier on stage of life, where you're at in your own life that yeah. can result in you grieving differently at one place in your life than another. And then again, you know, a child is going to grieve differently than an adult, developmental. Uh, experiences can be very different. Kids can sometimes only take a little bit at a time. They want to come and talk to you when they're ready to talk to you or ask a question, but maybe after a couple of minutes or one question answered, they're ready to tune it back out and go to something else. And that might look like they don't care or that it's not really affecting them emotionally, which couldn't be further from the truth. Sometimes it's just that they can only process so much at a time because they're young. And they're still developing.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, and I think that's another important part that uh, we we do have to just be here for our, our children and let them know that what they're going through is normal. It's you yes. know we're it's just a part of living. Um, dying is, is normal, um, and we're all going to experience it at some point whether it's the, the death of a grandparent or their own parent or a friend or their dog, you know, it's, it's going to be something that they're going to have to deal with as they go through life. And so giving them the space to do that is so important. Yeah. Um, and so what are some other ways that we can help children and youth who are going through the process of grieving in their family?
2: Well, and certainly children and adults alike, social support, you know, having others that are out there that they know that they can talk to and go to that will be judge, non-judgmental listeners and, uh, you know, providing that that person or that space or that resource or whatever it may be to say, you know, this is here for you as a support. But I think for children and youth specifically, it helps them to feel normal. It helps them to feel like, oh, okay, I'm going through this and I'm having all these feelings, but, you know, here's some resources or some people as a part of a group, for example, like through a a local hospice chapter or an online group, other kids that are my age that are going through the same things as me. So it's not just me. I'm not alone. I think that's important is when we don't feel like we're alone anymore, you know, then we feel like Mm -hmm. we we can face it. And so uh, there's lots of great resources out there. Even public libraries can be such an awesome place to go for help for uh, books and different things that families can read with children or can provide to youth to read themselves. Um, There's a lot of different groups out there like hospice groups, cancer and pediatric offices that have excellent reading and support materials given different circumstances. There's also a variety of excellent programs out there that offer different types of resources like camps. Camp Echo is one right. through hospice. Another one is Camp Kesem, which is a student run organization at a number of different chapters all over the country that focuses on you have a parent with cancer. And so it's sort of that anticipatory grief, Someone's right. but living with that reality that someone has cancer and, uh, you know, connecting with other kids that are going through some of the same things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, children and youth may even not be able to fully process some things that a death has happened. And, uh, you know, they might react physically. So sometimes we might see things like stomach aches and headaches and anxiety, um, fearfulness that we don't necessarily equate right offhand to them going through grief or a grief process, but that it can very much be that. So sometimes just asking those questions Again, letting a child or a youth know that it's okay to talk about it can go a long way. Um, Encouraging them to talk to a pediatrician or even a counselor or therapist along the way. Finding those support groups that are out there and just having some of those resources at our fingertips.
1: I know that when we've had um, deaths in our family, it was very important that my children were able to see us grieve. They were be able to see that it was something that we were experiencing as well. And I know that as a parent, it's really our first inclination is to protect our children. And so we want to go hide in the closet and do our own crying by ourselves. But sometimes it's really important for the children to see that it's affecting us too. Sometimes we they just need to see us
2: cry. Yeah. And for the adults in a family that are grieving, you know, Someone helping some with the children and being a support system for the children can go a long way for us adults, right? Yeah, exactly. Take a little bit of the pressure off of us while we're also grieving. And it can make us feel a sense of relief to know that our kiddos are being taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then I think the single most important part of a lot of grief processes for any member of a family, regardless of age, is just reminding people that self-care matters. We've got to take care of ourselves. exactly, And we often don't do that well. We often put everyone else ahead of ourselves. And we think that taking care of ourselves is even selfish. And that couldn't be further from the truth. If we can't take care of ourselves, then we often can't properly take care of the others in our lives that depend on us. So remembering to practice self-care and putting our own selves first at times.
1: Um, And even though death is something that we're all going to experience at some point, either for ourselves, but also for those that we love, it, it just doesn't make it any easier to navigate right. um, just because we know it's there. And so as we've gone through this past year of the pandemic, we have seen lots and lots of grief in different, different manifestations, I guess, and it has complicated issues. And so not being able to visit with people in the hospital before death or not being able to, to hug grandparents and not being able to say goodbye, I guess, has been one of those issues right. that has been big for a lot of people.
2: Very true. Very good points. You know, death is so difficult and complex anyway. And then, like we said earlier, you know, stress on top of stress with the things you just mentioned, like not even being able to go and see someone in a hospital.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a year uh, that we as we like to say. Right. And and we won't be sad to see um, the pandemic behind us. And I do hope that we will all take take measures to make sure that that we are taking take care of ourselves so that maybe we won't have to experience that kind of loss again. But as we wrap up, I hope that people will follow your advice and, and really take care of themselves right. um, and validate their own um, emotions and, and reassure themselves and their family members that it's okay to feel, it's okay to feel these, these feelings and, and it's real um, because we have all, there or we will be there at some point, right? Right. Carrie, thanks so much for the time that you have spent with us today. I know that this is not an easy topic and we have certainly tried to cover it with um, grace and understanding. I know that our listeners are going to benefit from all that you've had to share.
2: Thank you very much.
1: To our listeners, if you have just joined us, you are listening to Talking Facts, and we are available wherever
0: you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook